This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Restaurant Week, my favorite week of the year, will be happening from September 24th to October 1st. Over 180 restaurants participating with lunch and dinner option. Go to San Diego Restaurant week.com and make your reservation now. Hello and welcome to the Diva Lounge. I'm Julie Hostler today with Maribel, Maribel Hernandez, and our guest chef. Wow, this guy, executive chef of Blue Bridge Hospitality Group. He is originally from Michigan, mm-hmm. started as a dishwasher, Yep. worked his way up. He gets to San Diego in 2002 Correct. to open up the lodge with the legendary Jeff Jackson. Here he is to tell us about his day. It's Tim Kalenko. Hello, everybody. And we call him TK. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for being here. A pleasure having you with us today. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. So you came from Michigan. Mm-hmm. So what was it that got you so, to... Well, I was... Uh, I had left Michigan, worked in Colorado for a while, uh, worked in Aspen, a uh, really great experience there, and then uh, gone back to Michigan, and I was sort of like looking for the next move. Mm-hmm. And I decided I was either going to New York or California, one of the two. And uh, a mentor of mine named Scott Hawk uh, was a friend of Jeff Jackson's from back in the day. And and when I was working with him uh, over several years, um, when I was like just learning how to cook, basically, he would always refer to Jeff. He'd always talk and say, Jeff Jackson does it like this. Jeff Jackson does it like that. And so before I knew Jeff, I knew of Jeff. <laughs> and um, it just so happened right at that time, it was very fortuitous because um, as I was looking for the next move, Scott said to me, he said, hey, Jeff Jackson's opening up a new property in La Jolla. Uh-huh. And uh, one phone call, he put us in touch with each other, and I was, I was off to California. He turned in his snowboard for a surfboard. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So always a board sport enthusiast, and uh, that was why I went to Colorado to begin with. Uh-huh. And really why I started cooking. Before I had a passion for food, it was really – I just went to Colorado, and I learned that I could snowboard all day long and then cook at night. <laughs> like, it was like the greatest thing ever. I said, I, you know, I could, I could live like this. That's great. And I didn't, I didn't realize it could be, a, could be a career for me until I lived in Colorado the first time I moved to Colorado. Um, which was purely just a snowboard. Oh my! Wow. So then you're you're at the lodge. I'm sure incredible experience. Uh, it was unreal. Um, super thankful for the whole thing. It was. Uh, I was there for ten years. Wow. Um, I was chef de cuisine of Air Valentine. I think for about eight of those ten years. Um, uh, you know, Jeff's still a dear friend and mentor and just a great human being. So mm. very fortunate to have worked with him. Um, I had a, uh, Kara Snyder was my sous chef for the entire eight years that I was chef de cuisine. Mm. So, um, we just, and Steve Reamer, who's now the chef of the catamaran, um, he was the executive sous chef for, uh, six or seven ish of those years. 
Um, so it was just a, a an unbelievably stable team of of great people that, to be surrounded by and just be a part of that. Nice. Um, so really, really fortunate to have had that time there. So you take in, in all that experience and you said you had such a great team. And now let's talk about now, current times. Yeah. You're at Blue Bridge yeah. Hospitality. Yeah. So you have a new team. Yeah, I feel like I've, um, I, I think it was my goal or I don't know if it happens naturally or what, but um, to try to replicate that, right? Try to build a team, keep everybody together. And, and um, longevity has a lot to do with that. We place a lot of value on longevity. Mm. Um, and uh, so far, so good. <laughs> now that I say it, I'll probably leave today and somebody <laughs> will give notice and one of my chefs will leave. But um, no, we're, we at Blue Bridge have a great program. Um, you know, it starts with the ownership. They're very supportive. And um, uh, David, the principal owner, is um, he's very quality driven and sees the bigger picture. And for a chef, that's everything. You know, if you don't have somebody constantly grinding you about pennies or this or that, and mm. they, they, they understand the spending the extra dollar on a piece of equipment, or maybe your food cost is going to flex up in a month because there's a certain product. Maybe you want to use truffles and truffle season or whatever it is. Right. Um, but somebody who's constantly encouraging you to do that kind of stuff without sweating you about the little things <laughs> yeah. that a lot of owners do right. um, and not handcuffing you creatively. He really... You know, he loves to be part of the conversation and um, he, he just provides a great deal of support. Um, and then, of course, we've we've had the opportunity to grow and with growth, we get to build the team. And now and now your role there as the executive chef, what what is that? Um, well, I oversee stuff? the culinary operations for everything. So Mostly the food, though, right? That's it. All, all the food. And um, it's with the exception of, of Moo Time, which mm-hmm. is um, – They've, that was the first business that started Blue Bridge. I think it was 17, 18 years ago. Wow. Now. Um, in Coronado. In Coronado, yeah. Wow. So it started as one ice cream shop. Um, now we have a we produce ice cream for restaurants all over town. We sell through specialty yeah, produce. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, in addition to the ice cream stores, there's one at the Dell. There's the, the one on um, Orange Avenue. There's also a little um, ice cream shop at La Costa. That's mm-hmm. a Moo Time shop. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and then, of course, we have uh, going back to the team. We have yeah. Lori Sauer, our yeah. executive pastry chef. Hi, Lori. Yeah, <laughs> big shout out to her. Yeah, she's, she's amazing, and that was a big, um, big addition to our team. The team that I'm super proud of. Um, yeah, when we got to bring her on as as executive pastry chef, we were wow. we were lucky. So, and what location is she working out of? So she works at Crafted at Liberty Public Market. Okay. That's her home base, and it's also our pastry commissary. So. In addition to all the deliciousness they're putting out in that case at Crafted, um, she's producing for all of the restaurants. Um, wow. As, as well as all as the, the pastries. Mm-hmm. Wow. And breads or just pastry? Just pastry. Okay. We do breads in the restaurants. Okay. And that's another program that I'm working on, working on and excited about. <laughs> Happy that we're doing it. Because I, I always bread. wanted to make bread and to have the ability to do it in some of the restaurants. And again, that comes, you know, from David, the owner. Like he really pushed us to, he's like, you know, he loves bread, first of all. We'll drive if we're traveling somewhere to eat. You know, he'll go 40 miles out of his way for a good loaf of bread. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So wow. that was part of our, you know, he, he's he's constantly encouraging and pushing in that way and in the best way. Okay. Um, which which is great because it helps us progress the program. That's great. And now your relationship with your chefs, your sous chefs, with the staff. Yeah. How's- I mean, we're like family. Um, and it's funny. We were just talking about we have, uh, you know, chef cuisines of, of steak and Leroy's. Yeah. And, um and then, of course, our latest addition to the team is, is Marco Seda, who was at uh, Vigilucci's, which is now Maritalia. Oh, and yeah. He stayed yeah. on with us. Oh, yeah. mm. um, and so he he was the executive chef of Vigilucci's, and then he came on to our group. 
and um, as an executive chef. And so, and then our guys are technically chef de cuisines. So mm-hmm. there's this whole conversation. And, and what the conversation ended up leading to was uh, basically our chef de cuisines are executive chefs. I just happen to be the ringleader of it. So the titles <laughs> right. get uh, mixed up, but everything they do, I mean, um, they're responsible for their own P&Ls. I mean, they, they run their, their restaurants as any executive chef of any restaurant does. So um, titles are, I don't know, somewhat unimportant to <laughs> me and us, I think. But, uh, but you know, that's they're all executive chefs. So, so. you let them run their show? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jeff set a really good example, I think, for me in all the years that I was at the hotel. Mm. Um, he kind of, he instilled the philosophy in everybody in the kitchen. He teaches you kind of, the way to do things, the way to look at things. Um, and so there's a sort of, I like to think of it as a soul behind what you're doing. You understand the basic core fundamentals of the way you do things. And then from there, he really, he, he gave me a great deal of creative freedom, um, which really allowed me to grow as a cook because I got to change the menu all the time and wow, cook yeah. what I wanted. And and I can't really remember him ever just, you know, saying, oh no, you can't do that or don't do that. He might encourage you to take it in a slightly different direction or even even rib you a little bit. Um, One of my favorite stories is I was doing a beef heart salad with (laughs) black radishes and I was so excited about it. And, uh, (laughs) and he just walked by and he looked at it and he goes, Hmm, yeah, that'll sell. And he just kept walking. (laughs) (laughs) Needless to say, I think it was on the menu for one day or two days and then (laughs) we sold zero and I just took it off the menu. So, so that's what you do now. So that's what, that's the way I try to manage. I try, I try to um, spend time sourcing and really encouraging the chefs to source a, a certain way, um, which is really important to me. Um, I you know I still go to the farmers market every Sunday and load up my truck and and do a little bit of what Jeff would do to us at the hotel, which was uh, I say to us instead of for us, but uh, <laughs> he would order um, he would place these farmer orders, farmer farmers market orders, all kinds of stuff, whatever was good. He'd just call them up and say what's good. And bring in cases and cases of it, and then we'd have to figure out how to use it. Oh, wow. And so I do a little bit of that, uh, where I'll just load up the truck, I buy what's good, and bring oh, it around wow. to the restaurant. Well, you, you and, took us on that tour yeah, the other day, yeah. and it, you were, you know, putting the salad together with the beets and yeah. you know the uh, the pear and the cucumber. It was so. awesome. Yeah, and that's what's fun. Again, uh, one of the local farmers that we deal with, um, his name is Dan Lammers. He calls us up and he says, "Hey, I have Asian pears, and everything he grows, the guy's great." Um, it, it's always good. So we just buy it. Whatever he's selling, typically, we just say, okay, yeah, send us however much we think we can use. And then that's what drives the menu. And it forces it forces creativity sometimes, which is yeah. good. Um, so sometimes it's inspiration. Other times you really have to like, you know, dig in and make it happen so you're not wasting product. Right. So working for you, working with local um, purveyors, important. Uh, it's, yeah, it's super, super important. Um I think it's part of my core philosophy for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, you just get better products, right? Um, two, for me, uh, I really enjoy the relationships. Like I like mm. talking to the farmers. I like understanding their what they're growing, why they're growing it. Um, you gain insights that you wouldn't get otherwise. Um, and specialty has done an amazing job, of course, because you bring all of these great products to our doorstep. Um, but there's that that one little connection that I like, which is to get to the, see the farmer at the yeah. market, talk to him about what's happening in the field. Yeah. And um, do you take your chefs with you as well? Yeah. Do they get yeah, absolutely. to go through um, that whole? The other uh, member of our team that I haven't mentioned yet, um, or one of them is, uh, is Jared Becker, who's our executive sous chef. And he was at the farmer's market with me yesterday morning, picking up, saving me the trip to the island <laughs> so I could take the rest of the day off. Thanks, Jared. Um, oh yeah, yeah thank it you. Was much appreciated. Um, 
So yeah, I, I try to take uh, take the chefs to the market with me, and I like to make those introductions. I like them to understand why it's important to me, the personal relationships behind it. Um, and then there's an economic factor, of course, right? You, keeping your dollars in the local community is a big deal. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, um, huge. I, I was fortunate to kind of learn that through experience at the lodge with um, all the farmers and, of course, celebrate the craft and, and those relationships and to have a relationship with a farmer for, you know, 10 plus years and to be able to see their kids coming in the back door, helping them in the summertime when they're this mm. big. And then, you know, you're talking to them a few years later and they're going off to college and it kind of starts to sink in a little bit. You're like, nice. oh, wow, those, you know, our purchases week in and week out helped Paid that family yeah. send that kid. To and so it's kind of all just starts to click a little bit and you're like, oh, wow, wow this that's is, awesome. It's and really it, important. It almost seems like it's a, it's a training. Yeah, I think so. Um, is that what you try to do? You know? I think, again, I think it's just a basic philosophy, right? Yeah. That you tr- And that's where, like, I don't want to go in and tell the chefs exactly what to cook and how to cook it. Sometimes I'm inspired and I have an idea and I want to go mm-hmm. in and work on something uh-huh. or I really enjoy um, when they come to me with an incomplete idea, which happens fairly often, right? They'll just call me up and say, hey, I, you know, I got this dish and I get, you know, I got some local bass and, and I got sweet peppers and I'm, I'm stuck. What do, you know, I don't know where to go from here. And then we go in and, and just spend a few hours cooking together and working the details out. Um, I think that's probably my most fun that I get to have all week is when, the, when I yeah. get to go and do that. In the so kitchen. it's still the love for the kitchen, for the absolutely for being that part of your job, the chef, the cooking, the being. Yes. In there. Yeah. I think I've, I've traded the satisfaction of, of being in the kitchen all day, every day mm-hmm. for the satisfaction of the team building part right. now and like keeping, you know, keeping everybody inspired and happy and making sure that we're providing everything that they need to be successful, which is the kind of the name of the game starts with top. Right. And then yeah. I'm kind of in the middle of that process. And you go to all of them every day or you start uh, at Leroy's, you end up here Yeah, today? pretty much. I mean, I'm not in every location every day. I don't make it to the market as much. Um, Lori, you know, that's her realm. So I, I check in with her regularly, cool. but, um, but the restaurants on Coronado, yeah, I'm, I'm, you walk the block. I'm in the, the Martalia Leroy's and steak pretty often. So for those uh, of our listeners oh. who may not be familiar with, you know, all the well, – let's take them on a tour, Chef. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> start at Leroy's. Right. Okay. Well, let's start. Yeah. So we'll start from the beginning. I'll yeah. tell you the story of Blue Bridge before I got there, which was um, – there uh, there's Mu Time Creamery, which was the first thing. David David and his cousin Leroy um, opened up an ice cream shop, and that grew and was very successful. Um, they moved on to um, – they had a place called the Beach and Diner. Which became Leroy's Kitchen and Lounge. They when they renovated that. Look at that. How um, long ago bef- was that? Sorry, I'm skipping some steps. Yeah, I know there was, was two that? pizzerias and, a, <laughs> and Little Piggy's Barbecue in between Moo Time and uh, Leroy's. Oh my! So uh, Leroy's, I think, has been there five, six years now. Okay. Um, I, I'm in about my fourth Little year Piggy's, with Blue Bridge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was when I started. There was there was Little Piggy's, the two pizzerias, both Village Pizzeria on Orange mm-hmm. Avenue and the one at Bayside, and. Um, and Moo Time. Um, and then I started out at Leroy's. And uh, from there, we opened Steak Chop House. Yeah. Was, that was kind of beautiful. Uh, it was a really, really fun project for me. Going into it, I wasn't all that excited to do a steakhouse. Um, you know, I'm like, I'm, I like <laughs> to work with the local produce and change things all the time. And that doesn't, that steakhouse doesn't exactly scream that. Uh-huh. Um, so when the idea was presented, I said, all right, you know, steakhouse, I could, I could do that. <laughs> and then we got into the project. And, and again, to David's credit, um, you know, he really allowed a lot of creative freedom on my end and kind of bringing the the vision to fruition. And um, I got to incorporate all those things that are important to me. So a lot of a lot of the classic French technique that I learned with Jeff and the sauce making and all that, we, we get to practice that there. 
Um, and then in addition to that, we had a wood fire oven um, mm. that was existing that we, um, of course, decided to keep. And mm-hmm. that drives all the, the local produce stuff, the seasonal produce, because all the sides come out of the wood fire oven. So we have constantly rotating vegetable dishes that are going in and out of the wood fire oven, which mm. is a lot of fun. A lot oh. of fun for us creatively. Uh-huh. So you're so it's a little bit more fine dining? Definitely fine dining. Okay. Um, and despite the fact that it's a steakhouse, I'm very proud of the fact that um, I think of it as more of a fine dining restaurant than a steakhouse because, mm-hmm. I mean, we get fish from Honolulu Seafood in addition to all the local stuff um, that's available. Uh, like I said, we source the produce, obviously, locally. It's mm-hmm. very seasonal. Um, and uh, it's creative. They have a lot of fun there, Andrew. Andrew Kedzior, the chef de cuisine there, is um, an incredibly good cook, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's nice. a beautiful place. Yeah, it's yeah, a really beautiful state place. Of the art. It's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, for those of you that are in Coronado want a fine oh, dining yeah. experience, head on over to Steak Look for Chop TK. House. You'll <laughs> see him walking around. Yeah, I'm usually in the median somewhere back between restaurants. I, I <laughs> or joke. you could catch him walking down the street. Yeah. Uh, Crossing I, the street. I tell the guys all the time, I like, when you see that guy in the median just spinning around in a circle looking like he doesn't know which way to go, that's probably me just deciding which restaurant to, I need and to then, go to. Now let's talk about the um, – more Italia restaurant. That yeah. was an interesting oh, one, yeah. huh? Yeah. Uh, relatively uh, <laughs> unique approach. Yeah. yeah. Taking Talk over to us about that approach. Um, so we, di- we didn't close it. We took it over. Uh, it was Vigilucci's. Uh-huh. So Robbie Vigilucci sold the restaurant to Blue Bridge Hospitality. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were going into, you know, as these things go, it never happens on time, right? And so it kind of dragged on. And as it dragged on, we were getting closer and closer to summer, which is the high season in Coronado. And... Um, we were so close to summer that we decided that financially it was not a smart thing to close, right? You don't want to close in the highest yeah. part of the season. So um, we operated it as Vigilucci's for a short time, for a few weeks, um, while transitioning into Maritalia. And literally, um, R&D changed the menu um, gradually, dish by dish, and then one day just... That's it. Change the signage, <laughs> change the uniforms, change the plates. We're here. And change <laughs> like the format the regulars of the menu are like, everything. What the <laughs> and, uh, and then operate it as Maritalia all summer. Wow. So now the dust is settling there, and Marco and his team are um, doing a great job. And uh, and you and said you kept the same, the same staff, right? Yeah, we kept the entire staff, uh, general manager, the chef, everybody. Staff. Yeah, They must be thrilled. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it was challenging. It was fun, um, but definitely unique. It's it's much easier, I think, in my experience, to mm-hmm. have a few weeks of time to just say, okay, here's how we're going to do things. Um, because we did change some things, right? We just were a different group. And um, so doing that on the fly and doing it just daily in little bits, is uh, it's an interesting process. And that was your idea to do it. That was not my idea to do that. <laughs> Whose no, idea no. was that? Uh, I, I, it's probably a group decision, but David ultimately uh, – yeah, he has the decision-making power in that situation. So. <laughs> but at the same time, you, you let these people that you guys had never worked with now feel like they are a part now of the family. Of the family. Well, and, and I think it, it was fun because, um, you know, I, I brought that whole seasonal approach and, and really, of course, I uh, talk about it a lot and, mm-hmm. and try to hammer that home so they can understand the, the core philosophy of what we're doing. Yeah. Um, the fact that we make everything from scratch, we're very proud of it. I mean, we, we make all the pasta every pasta that we serve there is fresh made daily we make focaccia in house every day so um just bringing that approach and and really like getting all the staff on board to understand what we're about and what we're doing that part of it's fun does that excite them yeah yeah Yeah. it's great to see the response and and of course everybody's a little apprehensive right when there's new 
new team coming in, new mm-hmm. bosses. Like that's the most awkward. New sheriff. That's yeah. the most awkward meeting ever when it's like, hi, everybody. We're your new boss. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, um, yeah, that was, but it worked. Yeah. Eventually, you know, I think it, as long as, as long as you're fair, um, and I, I think we do good work and we're proud of what we're doing. So, um, once you can instill that in everybody and they, they get on board now, you know, it's great. Now the community, how did they take the whole, change? um, there are definitely some people who are upset as always, right. Who like the old way. And, um, but I think I'm really pleasantly surprised by the fact that there's been a lot less of that than we anticipated. Nice. Um, Vigilance was there for 10 years. And so they definitely had their following mm. and, um, and so you know you're going into a little bit of an uphill battle when, whenever you change something like that that has sort of – that's sort of an institution. Right. Um, but do you have to go out to the table and talk to the guests, do they say? From time to time. Yeah. 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 I like that part. Yeah. I spent a little bit of time working in the front of the house in my career as well, so I'm, I'm comfortable <laughs> doing that. And um, and again, I'm, I'm proud of what we do, and I think there's a lot of – there's a lot of great stuff to talk about. Like I love to tell the story of where the – you know, where this tomato came from or – you know, why we do a certain dish. Oh, yeah. And so. then you're, you're able to somehow translate that to your staff, to the people that come in your restaurant and it just kind of, yeah, part I mean, of the I, equation. I think there's a genuine enthusiasm that's sort of, it, it permeates. Um, and, and that's why you have to, you have to remind people from time to time and keep telling the story because not everybody is seeing what, what goes on behind the scenes and during the day and the trips to the farmer's market and all that, whether it's that or even, you know, the, the truck, the, the specialty truck coming around yeah. um, on Fridays for us in Coronado and the way we source off the truck when staff, um, cause they get to see that they don't get to follow me to the farmer's market. Although maybe I should do that. Um, <laughs> this guy's but, busy. They, but they do see that, you know, yeah. they, they see it and they come and then they look at everything on the truck and they're like, wow, yeah. this is, this is where you guys get these ingredients. This is how you do it. This is the process. Yeah. Right? And not only that, but the community, you know, cause there's always people walking up and down those streets. I mean, you yeah. get to see them. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that curiosity, that, the curiosity, I can't say it. Curiosity. curiosity. Yeah. You, you, you just, uh-huh. you know, you spark that. I think that's great. And now there's new projects on the yeah, works. Yeah. Westpac noodle bar. Yeah. Is next. Oh yeah. Somebody <laughs> put on there, love all your food and can't wait to oh, try yeah, Mary. Westpac. Yeah, they um Mary. Love all your food. Can't Thanks, wait to Mary. try Thanks, Westpac. Mary. Thank you, Mary. <laughs> oh, this is so crazy. <laughs> um Yeah, for those of you watching us on Facebook Live, we love your comments. Keep sending them our way. So so Westpac. Uh, so Westpac um yeah, it's uh it's a uh, a nod to the the tour that the military on Coronado oh, when they do sweet. the Western Pacific tour. Um that's kind of the inspiration for it. And it's a noodle bar, but it's not a ramen restaurant. We didn't mm-hmm. want to be pigeonholed into that. That's obviously a very specialized kind mm-hmm. of thing. And there's a lot of people who do it really well. Um, and we wanted to have a little bit more breadth to what we were doing and be able to pull from different places and um, get different inspirations. So um, again, Jared, uh, executive sous chef, he's been taking that on. He's R and Ding that whole thing, and he's been putting together some some really amazing stuff. Like, really, I'm, I'm you need excited. a tester. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll invite you in for the next tasting. <laughs> yes, We've been please. doing it for weeks. And the so. opening too. <laughs> if you don't I think mind. I put on five pounds just meeting noodles and dumplings between his tastings that we do weekend yeah, and we go out and going up. out and eating. It's, oh, we can't wait to try it. Yeah, but uh, handmade dumplings. You know, um, all different types of noodles. We're gonna you know kind of hit the greatest hits of uh, of noodles. So. Dan Dan ramen, uh, soba, udon. It's Ooh. it's gonna be it's so. Gonna it's, be fun. it's not just one specific. No, no, type. and that's fun because then you can pull um, from different cultures and and have a little bit of fun with it. We try to stay true to you know if you're doing a Chinese dish, it's gonna be a Chinese dish. We don't do a lot of fusion. That's sort of not my mm-hmm. style. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but so it's fun to be able to do a ramen and an udon and a dandan noodle. And when's that gonna happen? Uh, we're looking probably about six weeks. Oh, around yeah. the corner, that's six not, weeks. I'm gonna knock on wood. Oh my, that's around the corner. Yeah, yeah, that's coming. So we have, we have that. You you guys saw we have that all gutted right now. Yeah, we saw yeah, that in I the process that. of yeah. uh, right across the, the street from uh, putting the plan Luke together. Town. Yep, yep. Yeah. Now, so we're gonna do uh, craft beers there as well. We're gonna have twenty taps craft wow. beer. So figuring, figuring out how to squeeze all those kegs in that little restaurant. We love beer. I mean, no, honestly, you, and you guys have it all in, in Coronado, yeah. it seems like. You know, it's it's an island, but in that island, you guys have been able to yeah, put a little taste of Well, and that's, of and that's David's gene. You know, David, uh, he's born and raised in Coronado. So I think for him, it was sort of a personal mission to um, born and raised. have the variety, you know, on the island. And, um, and you know, he's always pushing to progress progress the dining scene in Coronado and in San Diego. Mm-hmm. He always, you know, he's always looking for the next, next thing to uh, kind of take it up, take it up a notch. And he takes you right with him. Yeah. It's a great, <laughs> I mean, it's been a, it's been a heck of a, heck of a four years. I like, bet. Now I want to meet him. Yeah. He's, he's a great guy. He's in Coronado. He's kind of shy, too. but we might be able he's to get him shy? on here. We'll, we'll see. I, oh, I'll he told me he's a young guy. A Isn't he young? Which, yeah. Yeah. Young guy. He's in his forties. Wow. Mid forties. Yeah. yeah. And then you, you from, so from Coronado, you go to Liberty Station. Yeah. Um, again. Which uh, is military. I love that mess hall, the way you kind It's of very cool. Um, uh, again, that was a David's brainchild. He saw the space. and um, That was brilliant. There was some talk about us doing an ice cream shop within a development, that, another idea that somebody had for it. And he walked in and looked at it. And, and he loves markets. Again, a lot of the travel we do, if we're up in the Bay Area or whatever, we're always going to any public market, even before – um, he had the idea to do the market here in San Diego. Just, of course, we're food people, so you always gravitate to those places. And he's been to, I mean, every market from here to Kathmandu practically. So wow. um, when he walked into that space, he immediately recognized that the bones of the building, it had that feel, right? And all the great markets are in like old buildings. Yeah, They're always like yeah. historical old buildings. And so um, huh. he walked in and took one look at it and you know, the wheels started turning and I still remember the day when he came to, to us, the uh, executive committee at Bluebridge, and he said, Hey, I, I have this idea. And he just had kind of like a scribble on a piece of paper <laughs> of like what it was. And he said, I, I think I'm going to, you know, I think I'm going to put this together and present it. And we were all like, yeah, this is brilliant. <laughs> so, and it was, uh, and again, like all, any project like that, especially something that's, uh, that's new to an area or whatever. Like there was some real hurdles to get over. It was yeah. A, you guys had to change. Holy cow. The, that was a the complicated, cons- no, for- complicated monster. <laughs> complicated monster. Oh. Wow. <laughs> That's what you think about it. It, it is. It, and it's great. I mean, it's, it's a monster for all the good reasons because yeah. it's busy. Yeah. Um, and it's been busy. I mean, we literally, it was like a tsunami when we opened the doors that nobody was ready for. None of the, I don't, I mean, if you asked every vendor in there, if any of them were ready for what happened the day that we opened, I, I would be surprised if any of them said yes. Wow. Ourselves included, because it was just a, uh, a beast. It was a beast. Yeah. And, um, but it continues to be, and now of course the dust has settled and now it's going through its evolution of expansion and new vendors and all of that. So it's, it's, it's a really, really fun project. It's a lot more fun now that it's open. Yeah. <laughs> Getting it open was, uh, was it's always uh, the hard part. Yeah, just permitting and then uh, filling the spaces, convincing people that it was going to be a successful project. You right. know, a lot there was a lot of skepticism about um, whether or not Point Loma was was going to be a good location for it. There was a lot of skepticism um, based on other market projects that had that ended up not panning out. And there were some people who were kind of soured on the idea from that, mm. and so we got a lot of um, I 
personally talking to people and about it, you know, we're got a lot of pushback, a lot of, Oh yeah, sure. We've heard that before. It's not, you know, not oh, going to wow. happen. Like, no, no, really. It's going to happen. No, like, it's, yeah. you, come, come check it out. Wow. So, um, and it, it opened its doors and like you said, it was, it was crazy. Busy from it was the get-go. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there were some long days and early mornings in there and there, you'd be in the cooler and all of it is a shared refrigerator space. Now the, at mess hall. Mm-hmm. That what are you guys doing there? Because you started with the with an idea, right? Op- and yeah, that- and again, uh, you know, again to David's credit, you know, he said we had this space, and he said, you know, what if we do a little restaurant here, and really try to do something a little more progressive in that it was just a, a really. I mean, we change the menus all the time at um, at all the non casual concepts that we have, but this was like, no, this is going to change every day, and we're really going to source. We're going to source within the market and. Um, and it was supposed to be just a real small menu, kind of a hyper-creative, always-changing uh-huh. thing. And um, it was really fun. Wood-fire oven, um, the pizzas that we did there were awesome. Um, but ultimately, with Martalia and Westpac and everything that was going on, um, we kind of need to take our resources back over to the island yeah. to focus on bigger, <laughs> more important projects. Yeah. Um, and of course being the, that's the challenge, huh? Yeah. And then, and then that's leasable space. So it was kind of like, it was like a financial wash for us. We didn't lose anything um, financially by, by renting out that space to somebody else um, as a company. And then of course we got to take our team, some valuable people that I had on the culinary side and move yeah. them over to, uh, to the new projects. So, um, wow. so that we made that, that decision. It was kind of rough one for me personally because i really liked mess hall yeah but uh and i was proud of the food that we did there but yeah um, well you okay yeah yeah, you being you know about the food i mean of course you're always going to be like and we still and we still operate the bars over there and um it's uh it's a great space the energy in there is is amazing that's great but the the heart and soul of food it's still in coronado yeah, so, yeah. I mean, aside that's from Lori doing, exactly, uh, you know, her exactly, her and she still comes over and hangs out with us you know, from time to time. <laughs> so she's, she doesn't feel lonely over there. Yeah. You guys find time to hang out. She, well, I mean, by hanging out, I mean she's in the kitchen. Working oh, working. With us. Okay, I'm like, but uh, yeah, she she likes. Um, she's very emotionally connected, and um, she really likes to be in the restaurants because it gives her a feel like we've we've been through this. We've had this conversation before where she's like you know, creatively working on something. She's like, I just need to go be in that kitchen. And um, so, so she, it's important to her that she makes the time to come over. And of course we meet every week, all the chefs and which is uh, conveniently around that farmer's sure. market. Well, yeah, she's she's got to get inspired. Cause I'm sure every kitchen, I mean, you've spoken of each, you know, all, each and one of them right now at everyone must have a different feel and her doing the pastries, right? right. She has to yeah. connect to each and one. Yeah, How many pastries it's a, it's are there? A gift and a challenge because, Excuse me. You have the um, you have the creative outlet to do pretty much anything, yeah. right? If you have an idea, there's some something that we do where it will fit. Uh-huh. Um, but the challenge, of course, is staying true to each concept yeah. and doing something that's that fits each one. Um, huh. So uh, yeah, it's it's important to spend time in the restaurants. Wow. Do you have a favorite a favorite dessert? Uh, a favorite pastry? It's like asking you about your you know. Favorite child. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if, I, if I can even say that out loud. Gee, no, Julie. No, that is the truth. Okay, skip that. Hit that little no yeah, button exactly. or whatever. No, the uh, uh, Lori actually just recently did. This one's not even on the menu yet, but she just did a. Um, we did a uh, an event at the lodge. Went back and cooked with Jeff mm-hmm. um, for the day. And it's called playing with fire, and it's this oh yeah amazing Monday outdoor grill right yeah. that they use and wood fire. Everything's cooked on wood fire, and um, 
and so Lori and I actually have a we have a bit of a history. We worked together at the lodge back. I don't even know what years it was. It was probably like two thousand five ish, long time ago, four or five, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, she was doing the PM pastries for Air Valentine. That was Chef Cuisine. So she and I worked closely together. Had a great relationship, which led to us working together again many years later. And wow. um, so she came back. She wanted to come with me to do the dinner. And um, mm. she did this pistachio cream with stone fruit and and a uh, little crumble on top. And it was just, it was one of those desserts that was so simple and so perfect. And of course, it was highlighting all the amazing stone fruit. Um, so that's that's probably my current awesome. current favorite thing nice. that she's done. And like you say, she's super talented in the fact that now she forms a part of your group. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, it's and it's great to have somebody to, you know, collaborate with like that. That's that is creative on the level that she's creative on. Is it's pretty cool. Wow, she's dedicated yes. and she's very funny. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, it's Good. it's it's so nice to hear you. You know, talk about you know everything you've learned and how you're able to now you know implement that in in what you're doing now. And so moving forward, what would be your advice for like the new yeah. the new school of chefs, the new chefs like coming something- up? You know, up and coming. I just had this. I uh, actually had a conversation with a, a young chef recently who was unhappy with their current situation, mm-hmm. looking to make a move. And um, and I, of course, think about the chefs that work with us at Bluebridge all the time and their careers and their progression. And um, it's important to me that they are constantly progressing as well. Right? That's the, that's the important stuff. And, and if they have an opportunity to even move on or whatever, that's going to help them grow, then I would encourage that. I never try, I don't ever want to stunt anybody's growth for our personal selfish reasons. Right. Um, and so I'm, I'm thinking about that a lot. And uh, this individual came to me and was talking to me about job opportunities out there. And in the conversation, it kind of occurred to me that it's, it's the situation that you work in that defines what you do as much as who you are and what you're bringing to it. Right. So, and that's where I was so fortunate to work at the lodge all those years. Cause it was such a creatively and with the product that was coming in and the philosophy that drove it. Um, it, it was such a perfect mix of all those things for me. I, I, I had this ability to just create whatever I wanted, change the menu every day and a bunch of great product to work with. You can't really ask for much more than that wow. a chef and a good staff and a good kitchen. Right. So, um, and I've seen really talented people go maybe, you know, whether it's chasing the money or just making a bad decision, um, go work for places that don't provide all those things and then end up doing mediocre work. And it's because of the situation they're working in, not because they're not talented chefs. Mm. And so that's, I think the advice that I would give and and definitely I'll encourage the the chefs that work with Bluebridge if, and when they move on to, to make decisions based on that, You you have to go to a situation where you're supported by the ownership, where you have the right elements at work that allow you to practice your craft the way that you want to. Um, Because otherwise the limiting factors will choke you down and and, and define what you do ultimately. Mm. And I I don't think any chef really, most chefs are trying not to. And it's not always about the money. (laughs) It's seldom about the money. I mean, I'm fortunate. (laughs) I don't have any kids and it's just my wife and I. So, Um, but uh it's easy for me to say. Um, I know a lot of people have to make those decisions, have to make harder decisions. Yeah. But um, for a chef and as far as just progressing as a chef and practicing the craft, yeah, if money is driving your decisions, you're probably not going to make the right ones. Wow. Well, what Interesting. A, yeah. Well, Good what answer. A, yeah. What a, what a pleasure of, of uh, you know, speaking to you and, yeah. and having you here. It's, and what a I, great I love the, I love the business. <laughs> yeah. I really do. And I love being in the kitchens. <laughs> Um, like in the was, front and, and in the back. 
Yeah, I, I love the back more, but um, but I, I I think it's important too to connect with the guest, like to be out front and to see people see the reactions. The I think the best thing about mess hall was um, it was an open kitchen, of course, and we would we would joke about the nod when you saw the nod. Right. And so after you serve some food and you have a minute to look up and you'd see somebody in the dining room and when you saw them take the first bite and they kind of close their eyes and they do this like silent <laughs> nod to themselves. That's what we would be like high fiving in the kitchen. We're like, oh, like, oh, I just see it. I saw the nod on 22. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, we hope that everybody that visits, you know, your restaurants that gets a chance to go try that, they all nod, nod at yeah. every yes, single one too. of them. Yes, me too. So we're going to share um, the um, the Instagram accounts uh, so that for those that are, you know, one uh, big on social media, um, the they have the at Mood Time Creamery. There's one to follow at Brew Bridge Hospitality. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's at Steak Chop House. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good one. There's at Leroy's Kitchen and Lounge. There's at Moritalia Restaurante, right? Yep. I think I said that right. (laughs) And the newest addition, Westpac Noodle. Yep. So definitely go and follow. Yes. Don't forget Chef Tim Kalanka. Oh, yeah. No, I was (laughs) going to. I was going (laughs) to. Don't forget to. Oh, no. I was going to let you um, share that with our listeners. Yeah. I wish I could remember all the handles of all the chefs, but. um, Yeah, the, just go to yours. If and you find, find mine, them. yeah, you'll, you'll so get definitely those follow guys. at Chef Tim Kalenko. And anything else that you want to add on? No, just fortunate to be part of this community. You know, that's the other thing. I think San Diego has proven to be um, one thing that I, I know a lot of chefs that have come from other places or that work in other cities. Um, there's not the same level of camaraderie, oftentimes, that mm-hmm. we have here. And mm-hmm. so, um, just to be accepted into this community of chefs and in the it's so easy to work in collaboration. You know, we've done guest chef dinners and all these different events that we do all over town. And um, I, I just think it's a very cool thing to be a part of. And I feel fortunate to be in San Diego doing it, doing yeah. it with all the talented chefs that are here. Love it. And your Love chef it. crush, right? Who's your chef crush? On? Well, you mean other than Jeff, of course. <laughs> oh, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Now he's got a crush on you. All right. Well, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Like I said, it's been a pleasure having you here and we want to thank you for taking yeah. us on a tour yeah, of, of Coronado and what you guys have going on in your delicious food. And um, he invited us in six weeks. Oh, yeah. see- <laughs> right? And, to uh, the opening six, Westpac. Yes, come to Westpac. In the meantime, come to come to Leroy's. Come yes. visit Chef Ronnie and I over there. Yeah, and, come say hi. Um, come have lunch with us again. Oh, Ask for TK. Yeah, he's yeah, we he's sure doing will. great work there too. That's uh, that's the, the farm to table restaurant. Oh, so no, yeah. Always Leroy's. ever-changing. Those Leroy's Brussels awesome. sprouts were to die for. Oh, they were We'll be there this afternoon. Okay, <laughs> there we go. Uh, we want to thank everybody for tuning in, for listening us on our podcast, Diva Lounge. Yeah. Uh, please go ahead and follow our Specialty Produce Network account on Instagram, as well as our SP underscore Diva Lounge. I am Maribel, mm-hmm. no, SP underscore Maribel, and she is... <laughs> Julie underscore Hostler. <laughs> oh, and Chef, thank don't forget to follow Chef at Chef Tim Kalenko and at Blue Bridge Hospitality. Thank you, Chef. Thank you, Tim. Thank you.
The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today.